You know, it is a, a big deal that we get to rest and to sleep. Because we have a God who never slumbers nor sleeps. We have a God who protects us all the time. And he's called us today to a day of rest. And so we're going to talk about work today. But I want to talk about work today in the context of resting in what God is doing. Because the Lord is the master builder. Because he's good. And he's given us a day to be together where we can come into his word and dive into things. Maybe even do a little spiritual brain surgery where our thinking maybe was a little different, and all of a sudden you feel like your whole mind is opened up, and you're like, oh, that's not what I thought. Have you ever had those moments? You know my favorite moment is when the Lord sort of drops something in your heart, and it's like you've always known it from eternity, but you've never known it. And all of a sudden it's real to you, and you're like, oh, it's him. That's the, that's the best thing, isn't it? I hope today is that. It might not be. We'll see. It's going to be a great day, though. But as we come to the Lord, my prayer is that that feeling, that thing happens where we hear together of what the Lord is doing, how he's building, what he's accomplishing, where he's active, all the things he's doing with us as a church on Sundays and every day, and what he's up to, how we apply to that, and that we would have that moment of, wow, Lord, you are doing so much. And things that we've always known, but we maybe didn't know it yet. And now it's like we connect in like Lego pieces building something. Amen to that? That's what we're going to do today. So if you'll turn with me, please, in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 2. Excuse me, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Since we've installed our deacons, neither of whom are here today, we're not going to hold it against them. It's fine. It's all right. They've only, they only been on the job like two weeks and they're just taking time off already. No, I'm joking. I'm totally joking. Um, our deacons are not here today, but we've installed new deacons. In the spirit of that, we're also looking at why do we have deacons? What is church government? How does God use the church? What does all that mean? And I'm saying that and kind of bold today because our culture in general does not understand these things anymore. We don't. We don't understand this stuff anymore. Um, there was once a Kentucky Fried Chicken. Anybody like Kentucky Fried Chicken? You know, I always have to be careful because I throw out restaurants in a sermon illustration and people are like, oh. And then I inevitably see this, like, it's only 11.20. Oh, man. It's 11.20. It's going to be okay. But Kentucky Fried Chicken, a famous American company, of course, with their fried chicken, they opened a restaurant in the late 80s in Japan. It was the first American fast food restaurant before McDonald's or anything else that opened in Japan. It was Kentucky Fried Chicken. And the Kentucky Fried Chicken CEO, I don't know his name, I can't remember, and several of the executives came over for this monumental Kentucky Fried Chicken opening in Tokyo, which is the first American fast food in the whole country. And uh, later they were being interviewed, and they were not prepared for the, for the Japanese culture. And so they came over, and they met the workers of the first store who had prepared it. You know when it's like, coming soon, Shake Shack, or whatever, you know, and then the workers come in, and you're like, is it open, is it not open, what's going on? And then they get it all ready, and sometimes they even do a little test. Well, they had done all those things, and now the executives are there. And one by one, the Japanese people came up to the executives and swore their life's loyalty to the company. I will work for you and Kentucky Fried Chicken for my life. And the executives came back and said, we need to rethink our hiring and our salary feature because we just employed workers who are preparing to give everything they have to our product. And they were not ready for it. 
Because in America, if you can get the kid to show up, you're doing good. If you can get the kid to show up and not yell curse words, you're doing great. If you can get the kid to show up and not yell curse words and not smell like something weird, that's a manager. Like, that's our, this is our culture, right? I mean, after the meeting here, like, you go to places and we see it all the time, don't we? What a difference, though. And it's just an ingrained cultural thing in the Japanese. Now, this incredible thing, and the reason I'm telling you this is, when the Lord builds with us, we have a very different mentality of what God is doing and what we're getting out of it. And what our culture tends to value most is not really what God is doing. It's really what we get out of it. And the moment that things change for us and we don't get out of it exactly what we want, things get a little weird. Here's the other thing. The Lord is not exclusive to New Covenant Church. He has a church in the world who is proclaiming his gospel, and he is blessing them and using them and using us and using all of us together. And we need to be prepared to see what God is doing that we're looking for his blessing, yes, but our brand is not what we proclaim. We're not proclaiming New Covenant Church. We're, we're proclaiming Jesus. Him crucified, he's seated on the throne, he's the Lord, we follow him. Now, we have a, a brand because it's hard to talk to people about things without it. Some of that's cultural, isn't it? So, like, notice, for instance, Roy, can you wave at everybody? Roy, you're a blessing. This is Roy Beheimer. Roy's awesome. Roy's a bust. Roy's usually the very first one here, turns on all the lights and gets all, everything unlocked. Roy's often the last one to leave. And Roy does all our projection things and runs our cameras. So we have one, two cameras. We had a third one, didn't we? Or no? I don't remember. Oh, the computer's the third one, the actual computer screen. And so Roy has worked tirelessly to figure out how to get our little live stream onto the live stream thing so that people can watch. So like right now, I know for, for a fact that Joanne Hayden is watching the live stream. Actually, I don't know that for a fact because the whole Hayden family is together because their daughter Andrew is in town. So if they're not, she'll watch it later. But she faithfully, she's on there. Um, I've had several people call. I have several people call and say, we need more cameras, but we need more cameras facing everybody so we can see what everyone's doing during worship. And I was like, I don't know if they'll like that. <laughs> I don't know if everybody, like, you know, could you, you're worshiping there. Ho! Like, they're just look zoomed in on you, you know. We're not going to do that to you. We're not going to do that. But the point is, though, people want to see us. They wanna, they, they're at home. They want to be here. They can't be here. They want to see what, what we're doing and, and the breaking bread together. And like, oh, I was, oh man, what are they talking about? I want to I be there. It's that feel. And that's a good thing, isn't it? Yes. Having said that, notice our setup. We had a professional video guy come in. We hired him professionally because we had a little camera and it was not working. It was not cutting it. Nothing was working. And he helped us get this little system and the parameters were difficult for him because the parameters were, I need a system that one guy can run that looks decent. And he was like, one, one guy? And I was like, yeah, and cheap. <laughs> and he was like, oh, because you know, there, as soon as you start down that road, you can get expensive things. And so the parameters were, one person be able to do this. Why? Because the time together glorifying Jesus is more important than what we're just putting out there. However, in our culture, if we don't put something out there, how do people engage? Because that's how people do things now. 
And so we have to walk the line of honoring Jesus in all we do and also sometimes investing in things in wisdom and being smart, but not letting the brand go first, but instead proclaiming the gospel first. Amen to that? But that's hard to do sometimes, isn't it? Because when we talk to people about Jesus, the first thing we say usually is, you should come to church with me. And they go, what church is it? It's a new covenant. And you're like, oh, where is that? You haven't even talked about Jesus yet. But I'm telling you, that's okay because we're, we're representing him. We want people to come here and see. The Bible says that people will come and see the Lord moving and be astounded by him. So when they come, they don't come to see the church. They come to see the Lord amongst the church. That's a different thing. And that's our expectation is that the Lord is amongst us. He's leading us. He's propelling us forward. He's moving us. He is the one. And we're going to see him not only in great worship, but we're going to see him in you and in me. There's a reason that we keep the lights on. There's a reason that we keep things open. There's a reason that we have time to slow down and to pray and to hear from each other because we have every expectation the Lord will use those times to demonstrate his glory, to build each other up, that Jesus Christ would be proclaimed. And that's our goal. But where does that come from? So Ephesians chapter 4, let's read together. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to start at verse 1. This is the Apostle Paul talking to the church in Ephesus. There's a lot of context here that we're going to skip, so um, I would love to get a coffee with you if anything is like, huh, I don't get that. Let's talk about it. Because we're going to go a little fast today through a lot of Bible. But Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 1, this is what the Apostle Paul says. He says, I therefore, and the therefore is talking about the gospel that's been revealed to not just the Jews, but also the Gentiles. And there's one gospel. There's one way by which we might be saved. Jesus Christ is over all things. That's basically what he's thereforeing about. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, because he's literally in jail, urge you, that's the church in Ephesus and us here, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. We're going to skip to verse 11. Verse 11 says, and he gave apostles and prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Praise the Lord for his word. There's a lot there. Paul, like, he's, like a, he's like a lawyer. 
So Paul says a lot of things in little pieces. And one of the things that he's talking about, this big thing that he's talking about, is how the church will grow and how we're supposed to be organized together in the midst of ministries and gifts that are brought to bear with all of us together so that the body itself will grow people up. Notice what Paul says. He says that Christ who ascended gave gifts to us. What are the gifts? What are the gifts that he gave? It's school starting, so we're going to do this a little bit school-wide. What do you notice in here? Apostles, prophets, yep, this is verse 11. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, the pastors and teachers. But he doesn't say he gave categories. What are those things? They're people. The Lord gave people as gifts. How can he do that? That sounds so weird because he's the master. He's the Lord. He's the king and the creator. And so the gift that he gives is not just blessing. It's not even just anointing. Anointing means being set apart for something, called out for a specific purpose. It's not even gifting and talent. Instead, it's people that he presents to be the solution in a situation. That's how God does things. God does that through leadership. We saw that with the deacons. What was the big problem with the deacons we talked about last week? The big problem in the church that was happening was disunity because of? Yeah, and specifically racism that had come into the church that was causing people to treat specific widows differently, which is racism, right? And racism is an ultimate disunifier. Notice Paul says the word unity like three times in this passage. Attaining to the unity of the faith. He's, he's, this is very important to him. And God's solution for that problem is, let's raise up some leaders. And he inserts people into the equation who are gifted, who are called, who are anointed, set apart for a purpose, to do something for the Lord. And Paul describes it this way. He says in verse 7, grace. What is grace? Grace is the unearned favor. So if you work at Kentucky Fried Chicken, you earn wages. But if the Kentucky Fried Chicken people just give you a gift, here's a million dollars. That's just, it's, it's grace. It's unearned. You didn't do anything for it. But the grace, Paul says in verse 7, was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. What that means is he gifts people differently. You know, I teach um, high school psychology sometimes, too, and I'm not a psychologist, actually, truth be told. But I enjoy psychology because it, it deals a lot with worldview and with philosophy, which I like. But uh, when we talk about personality, a lot of people have different personalities. So some people would say they're very extroverted. They like being around people. Other people say they're very introverted. They like kind of being more alone, you know, this kind of stuff. But one of the things we talk about in that class is that God, when he made people in his image, if you think of God, is he extroverted or introverted? He's, he's all of it. He's all of it. Have you ever met an artistic kind of person who can't do a math problem to save their life, like me? Can, to save their life, cannot do a math problem. I mean, I can do a little bit, with help especially. But math is just not my natural gift. It just I don't have a bend toward that. But other people can like engineer something in their sleep. It's amazing. And sometimes those people are really good at 
music and art and all kind of stuff. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes you get somebody who's really good at conversation. Sometimes you get somebody who's not. Sometimes you get somebody who's the life of the party. Sometimes not. And the reality is that the Lord who made men and women, male and female, in his image, to be image bearers, he is the encompassment of all of the personality. And then he apportions to people pieces so that when we're together, we are better than when we are apart. We represent him more. This is like marriage, too. In marriage, you're better with your spouse, not just because your marriage represents the Lord's relationship, but because God designed people to be connected that together you represent him more than when you're just an individual, which is not the American way. The American way is at all costs, I will be the best. I will be the leader alone as a cowboy on the frontier, if need be, the lone wolf. That's the American mentality. And there's things in our history that led to that. But that's not the Lord's way of growing. The Lord's way of growing instead is he apportions to some different gifts so that where Dave Platt's gifts end, maybe that's where somebody, Jim's gifts start. And maybe where Jim's gifts end is where mine start. And where mine end, Jerry's start. And now we're all over the place and we're doing things. And there's people that are coming alongside that. And all of a sudden, Christy's in there, and she's shaping things. And all of a sudden, the whole body together is representing Christ. This is why sometimes when we pray in a meeting, it's like you, somebody prays a prayer. It's always a little awkward, right? Let's be honest. Somebody pray a prayer of Thanksgiving. Everybody's like, and you're like, I sh I'll do it. But then you don't want to say something right when someone else says something, so you're like, Lord, Lord, it's me. Okay, here we go. Lord, and there we go. But suddenly, once you start to pray, and then somebody else prays, have you noticed sometimes you're, you, we find ourselves in weird places? And I mean, somebody will pray something, Lord, thank you for your grace. And all of a sudden, somebody's over here, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your kindness on us to do work. And somebody's over here, Lord, we remember these brothers and sisters that are in India today. How did we get from prayer of thanksgiving to India? It's because the Holy Spirit's in us and he's using us. And where one person's prayer ends, somebody else picks up. And it's not just suggestive power. It's that the Lord speaks through his people. And he does something. We've all been in meetings, I know right now, where somebody has prayed something or said something to you that you know was the Lord. It happens a lot in sermons because the, the word of God, the Bible tells us, cuts, it divides between body and soul. It cuts to the heart. So I hear a lot of times people like, why were you preaching at me? I, I wasn't. But the Lord was. Because the word of God cuts into us and suddenly it divides and the Lord's in the middle of my heart. And how did you know, Lord? And he's like, yep, yeah, that's my word. That's what I do. Because he's God. Prayers, our life together does a similar thing in the unity of the body. Where we are attaining to not a brand, but he himself. What does Paul say to us? He says he gave gifts to men to equip the saints. This is verse 12. Equip the saints. Who are the saints? The church. The Greek word there is agios. It literally means the holy ones. Did you know that the Bible describes you as a holy one? He doesn't call you a Christian doesn't call you a convert, doesn't call you as a, a journey person on a journey, 
doesn't call you as a person who's just having work done. I'm in progress. Now, we are in progress, aren't we? But the Bible describes you as a holy one. And the English word for that is saint. You are the saints. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. So who does the work of ministry? But ready for this? Not the minister. Isn't that funny? It's a lie. The minister will do it. No. The body will do it. If the minister tries to do it, because I've tried, it fails. It fails. If I try to do it, all of it, it will, does not work. If we try to make it convenient for the church, for you, because we want more people, it falls apart. Because the, the church is designed to work, to do the work of ministry. What is ministry, though? Because this is, who knows? I'm going to tell you right now, we do not all have our own ministry. It doesn't say to do the work of their own individual called ministry that they will do with a 501c3 tax exempt. It does not say that. To do the work of ministry. What is ministry? Yeah, building each other up. And we're going to get to it in a minute. What else? You know, we minister in two ways. The Bible shows us two types of ministry. The first ministry is of people or angelic beings, sometimes different creatures, who minister to God. What can you minister to God? Praise. Thankfulness. Come into my courts with thanksgiving, into my courts with praise. Just come before him, speak his word back to him, thank him for what he's done, repent like we heard today from Suezine. Lord, forgive me, I, come, I want to be before you. And before you, I want to give you glory. Does God need people to give him glory? Nope. He's worthy anyway. He doesn't need glory from us. But we minister, we ascribe to him the glory due his name. This is why we sing together. This is why when we come together, the first thing we do is minister to him. Lord, we direct our attention to you. We love you. Now, that doesn't mean we can never have the preaching first. But it does mean there's a, the heart of the people together is, Lord, we love you. And there's a ministry that happens to God. That's pretty cool. Boy, there's two, I'm thinking of 15 other verses we can go to right now. I'm stop. There's a lot there. Maybe we'll, that might may need to be our next series. Then the second thing is we minister to others. How, what do we minister to others? So what do you, ready? What do you, the truth, yes. What do you have that can help anybody? Compassion, yes. The word of God, amen. Encouragement. Isn't it him? At the end of the day, if you pray for somebody, what are you praying for? That he will do something in their life. At the end of the day, what do we minister to people? It's Jesus through the gospel. I have to tell you, the Lord demonstrated his love for you in this while you were yet his enemy. He took his own son and hung his son on a cross to take your place, that he would die and take the punishment you deserve, that you might get the grace of God. But he rose to life again, and the grace you receive is really him. It's really, he's our 
everything. He's our inheritance. He's our king. He's our source of life. He is everything. If you have him in your life, it changes everything. And your destiny has changed because you are not destined anymore for separation and hell and, and punishment, but instead you are destined to be with him forever. And you get a foretaste of it now because spiritually, if you bow the knee and say, Lord, I trust you, the Bible tells you, us, us that he makes us a new creation in Christ. He seats us with him in heavenly places and you get to be a priest to minister to him all the glory to his name. And I want to minister to you the gospel today because that's what changes everything. The gospel is our, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. That's what Paul said about it. The gospel is our weapon, if you will, against all the stuff that the world throws at us or the enemy or anybody. And that's what we minister to one another. And we break bread with each other and we say, his body was broken for you. And it was broken for me. Think about this. When we do communion and you break bread with somebody, if you break bread with somebody from another gender, not your husband or, you know, a friend, and you say, if I say, Judy, this, this bread, this, his body was broken for you. I've already crossed a barrier, haven't I? As I'm saying, as a man, I can say to this woman, you were made in his image. Praise God. She's like two years older than me. So um, just I'm breaking the barrier too to say, to say, I'm not just going to somebody that looks like me or is my age. Say, Judy, we're in it together because the Lord rescued us both. If I go to somebody who's a different ethnicity or speaks a different language or grew up in a different place or is from a place like Chicago <laughs> or San Francisco, you know, or South America or wherever. You know, I fought, I fought in Iraq in the war and we had a, an Iraqi guy come visit one time in the church. And he wanted to talk to me afterwards. Wonderful, great guy. Loves the Lord, fantastic. And I can tell you right now, as soon as he said, I'm from Baghdad, I went, really? And something in me went, don't trust that guy. And then I shook his hand and I said, the Lord died for us both. Because all of the biases, all of the racism, all of the hurt, all of the violence, all of the junk, all of the sin gets swept away by the beauty of the gospel. And instead, now one body comes together. Paul, who's writing this, was overseeing the murder of Christians. And now he's saying, he's, God has given us out of his mercy, gracings to each one to build up the body. And the world and the enemy would have you believe that your gifting is not enough. That your gifting is not appreciated. That you could maybe not come to church and nobody will notice and they don't care and I don't have anything to contribute. And it's not true. It's not true because the Lord is the one who knits the body together to demonstrate himself. Because Paul says in verse 12 that these leaders are equipping the saints, that's you and me, for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Until we all, oldest, youngest, newest, most seasoned veteran, all of us, attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Wow, what a, that's a calling. Do you know that is the mission of the church? That's the mission of the eldership. That's the mission of our body. That's it. That's what we're supposed to do. Attain to the unity of the faith, 
the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity. So that when we hear a weird TikTok thing or a weird conspiracy theory thing or somebody says something or the Mormons are at our door or whatever, our faith is not rocked and we're like, I don't know anymore. Because we do know. And then when we do feel weak, what do we do? We come to each other. We break bread with each other again and we say, the Lord died for you. Let's remember this. Let's ask each other the big questions. You know the Lord is big enough to deal with our doubt? He's also big enough to, for, to deal with some of our disagreements. How can you have unity and disagreement? That doesn't work. It works because of Jesus. It works because he's good. You know, Peter and Paul had disagreements in the Bible. The apostles had to come to understandings. Sometimes we see things a little bit differently, and we have grace for one another. Now, if it goes against the word of God and it's clear, that's different. So if any elder, pastor, anybody, myself included, is doing something sinful, licentious, there's clear things that we need to do. It doesn't mean we just, oh, no big deal. But it does mean that also we can say, you know, I, I interpret that passage a little bit differently. And as long as we can break bread together and it's still the gospel, we can have room for that. Here's what that means. Are you ready for this? We're going to talk about this another week. And I'm way off my notes, and I'm going to end soon so we can be early just because. Because there's no way we're going to get through all the stuff I have. That's okay. Um, what if there's a church that has 20 cameras and lights low and their production staff is bigger than we have in this room and their yearly budget is more than our, just for filming is more than our total yearly budget. We can say, hmm, you're not doing it right. But here's the thing. The Lord gave evangelists, pastors, teachers. What if some churches have more of an evangelist bent? Can we stand with brothers and sisters that do it differently? If they're proclaiming the gospel, if they're still discipling, right? But could we stand with ourselves if we believe in discipleship, but we never evangelize? No. It's got to be the whole package, right? But I'm saying that because we get so bent out of shape about some of the differences of other churches. And what happens is pride creeps in that we're doing it right. And the reality is instead, I don't want you to walk away from here going, oh, that's Stephen. He's a good guy. I would love for you to say that. But I don't want you to walk away and say, like, new deacons, our eldership is doing it right. I want you to walk away more in love with Jesus because he's equipped us together to do the work of ministry, that we would see him, that we would bless him. And if we end up with more cameras, okay, why don't we have more? Because we're more concerned with shaping the body in discipleship to see this, the unity of the faith, the mature manhood of knowing him and walking in him and not tossed to and fro. We're more concerned with that than we are with just getting stuff out on the interwebs. Although it's important. And other churches that are investing in that, maybe the Lord has called them to that. I don't know. But we've got to stand in the revelation that we have and say, this is what the Lord has called us to do. We're convicted by this. Maybe God will bring somebody with grace that can do more things. Roy's super great. He's really good at what he does. And also, if we, maybe there's a guy the Lord will bring alongside him or a lady who knows graphic stuff more than, I don't know. But my point is, where are we going to put our, our main goal? We're going to put it into loving Jesus. And he will supply the gifts. He will supply the path. He will supply the harvest. What we do is minister to him glory and minister to everybody liberally. 
I, that means like, you know, when, you know when you get a cut as a kid and your mom busts out the Neosporin and like the whole tube goes on there? That's what I mean by liberally applied. We're gonna just, the gospel's just, we're gonna bathe in it. You know, you got a cut? And just the gospel. Because we want everybody to know him. And then we'll be faithful with them when they come. Because the Lord adds them and knits them and that's good. And so what we see here is God is doing all these things. Paul goes on to say in verse 15, we're not tossed to and fro by all the craftiness and all these schemes by people. Rather, verse 15, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow, grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Our goal is that we all do the works of ministry. We attain to the unity of the knowledge of faith. We come to him. We grow into Jesus, not into a brand, so that all our brothers and sisters benefit. And the whole church is built up in love, and we call out sin, speaking the truth in love. We call out false doctrines, speaking the truth in love. We call out the bad things, but we also proclaim his excellencies so that at the end of the day, everybody sees Jesus more clearly. And we serve him and we walk with him and we build each other up. And then when somebody has a difficult time, we're there and we stand. When somebody's rejoicing, we rejoice with them. All the things that doesn't just make a good community or make a good church brand, but instead represents Jesus because he's the king of a kingdom and the church looks like his kingdom. Does that make sense to you? It's a good calling, isn't it? Before we conclude this, I'm just going to ask, is there, are there any questions? I might not have all the answers. Question you have, we're going to be in this for a little bit. We're going to look at now First Peter after this. There's lots of other passages about the body and how we grow. Anybody have any questions or thoughts about this passage? It's okay if you do. I'm giving that opportunity not to be weird. It's so weird because no, no preachers ever do that, right? We like our own voice. But the reason I'm doing that is because if we miss this, then what are we building? If we miss this, then it doesn't matter what we do with the kids. We just entertain them. If we miss this, then why do we stand with parents when they're struggling and taking their kids to college? Let's get over it. It's fine. It's, there's some, it's different because the body, we're together. We're representing Christ. It's different. If we miss this, then why don't we just have... Music, you know, the band is good, but the band's not that good. We could just play music videos. They'd be, like, super good and have some fog. It'd be awesome. <laughs> or maybe we just get a bunch of professional musicians. Some of our musicians are professional, but maybe we get, like, like get that guitarist out of there who doesn't really know what he's doing. Get some guys in there that really know. Like, we could make it rocking. That'll get all the kids, and then the church will grow. Maybe. But what does the word say? When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And we can look around and see what we're missing. We need more young people. We need more college kids. We need more old people. We need people of every color. You know, in, you know Chesterfield is now the most diverse city in Missouri. Per capita, it's the most diverse city in Missouri. Because we've got MasterCard not too far away, and there's a bunch of Indian families that have come. So it's not the most 
you know, most diverse in, in that it has the most different ethnicities represented. But praise God, wouldn't that be great? What if the church 50 years from now, though, is not the way we envision it now? What if they change the name? God forbid, they better not. But what if they do? I, who, as long as it's for Jesus, who cares? But the root of the faith, following Jesus, knowing him, discipleship, being in his word, affected and changed, that's what we're building toward. We're also standing together because what if God calls us not just to send a kid to college, but those kids are sent to Uzbekistan or India or Ukraine or wherever. And now we're reaching into God in a different way because our kids are going out from this place and it's maybe dangerous. What if God gives us dangerous people who used to be dangerous, who used to be addicted to things, who used to, like we all did in some way, but, but worse? What if, like Paul, what if a history of violence is something we've got to deal with? I don't know. What if it's really scary one Sunday because the Lord casts out a demon, he uses us to do it, and everybody's like celebrating slash like, what was that? Paul had a kid fall asleep in a window in the second story and fall and die at midnight because he was preaching so long, which I will hope not do to you. <laughs> and then raises him from the dead and then keeps on preaching. And they're like, good, okay. So then the Lord said, that's what he does. But why aren't we like that? And I'm not saying just the miracles. I mean the, the heart of like hungry for God all the time. But guess what? It's, it is in us. It's there. And I'm telling you, we will do it together. There's not one ministry. And God bless you know, Billy Graham and Big Ministries. Wonderful. Praise God. How wonderful. And also, he's got a church. He's got holy ones that he's using. And he's good. His plans are good. Amen to that? So how does he build? He builds through the church. And he builds by giving grace to each one that we would all do the work of ministry to apply the gospel to each other to build each other up. And that means closer to Jesus. That's the goal. Closer to Jesus. Amen to that? So what do you need to do from this? Pray this week. Lord, use me to bring people closer to you. If you are far from him, so Azeen said today, repent. Repent. Lord, I'm far from you. Forgive me. I did things my own way. I got wrinkles. It's all over me. Make me clean. Put new clothes on me. Put your clothes on me. I want to be close to you because I want to bring other people close to you. Give me something that I can be a blessing. How can I be a blessing this week? And if that is making coffee, praise God. But also, what if on your mind all week is one person? And you were praying for them all week and then on Sunday morning, they walk in, and everybody walks in with all the weird stuff, right? So they walk in, like their shoe broke, walking up, what the heck, like everything's weird. And the first thing they hear is, I have been praying for you all week. I'm going to pray for you right now. I want to tell you a couple of things that the Lord put in my heart. I don't know, are you, I don't know what's going on with you, but I'm just, it, all week, all week, I was praying that your walk would be sure. And they're like, my shoe broke today. Doesn't that, that sounds like God, doesn't it? But not made up. We can make it fake. Not fake. Instead, just out of a heart of love for each other. 
instead of, oh, broken shoe, I got a good one. Don't do that. That's what people do. Instead, we're just, we're in the Lord for each other. It's good, isn't it? Don't you crave it? Doesn't it feel something in you go, yep. It's because it's him. It's because this is what he's called you to. And your neighbors and your work and all the things. But he hasn't just called you just to be a consumer. He's called you to be a holy one. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for our congregation. Lord, thank you for your grace upon us. Thank you for the gifts of people that you have given us. Lord, you could have put them anywhere. Lord, they are beloved to you. And you chose to unite them to us. You chose out of your love to put us here, that we would be around these people. Lord, we confess to you that not every person in here is our best friend. Lord, not every person in here I want, that is a person that we want to spend a bunch of time with. Not every person here is like us, and sometimes that makes us uncomfortable. But Lord, I ask you, Father, that your love would be genuine. Lord, that you would help us to attain to the unity of the faith together. Lord, that you would break down all the barriers, age, racism, junk, whatever it is. Lord, let the love of your son be so paramount in our lives that we represent you all day long with each other because you have called us here. Lord, help us for all those whose names we don't yet know and those people we're not yet friends with. Lord, maybe people here who are here now, maybe people who you are bringing in. Lord, help us to be the place where they can say the Lord is surely here. Lord, not because we do it right, not because we have the best theology, but instead because you are with us. Lord, we submit our plans to you, our thoughts to you, our desires to you. We submit our needs to you. Father, we need friends. We need fellowship. We need camaraderie. We need, we need accountability. We need people in our lives who love you and love us. Lord, give it to us, we pray, in the church. Help us, Lord, to demonstrate you and your gospel. We praise you and we look to you because, Father, without you, we don't know how to do it. But only by your Holy Spirit can we accomplish these things. So, Lord, we say we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. May you know the call of the Father, the rule of the Son, and the power of the Holy Spirit as you go from this place and represent him. The Lord is with you. Amen. Blessings. Thank you all. Have a great day.